Let's go to John chapter 20. Uh, I've been known in the past for breaking from tradition sometimes when and uh, preaching a repentance message on Easter and those kinds of things and who knows what I'll do this morning but I'm going to start in John 20 and we're going to talk about the empty tomb you know when I was born again I didn't know that the life and death and resurrection of Jesus was relevant to my life until it happened to me. And when it happened to me, God broke chains of addiction off of my life, set me free from, from a drug habit that was destroying my life and had destroyed my mind and, uh, and broke those chains off of me, brought me out of darkness into the light and, uh, and it became very real and very personal to me. And scripture says he's not a respecter of persons. What he did for me is available to everybody. And, uh, and he keeps bringing me into more and more breakthroughs the longer I walk with him. And he'll do the same for you. It's not a, you know, the, the lie that you don't need the miraculous today because now we have the Bible, you know. So all of that stuff passed away. Think about it. What, how can you keep a car running unless you put the same gas in it that it took to get it going in the first place? It doesn't even make sense. And so all these things are in effect until we all come into the unity of the faith of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's what it says in Ephesians 4. So all those uh, apostolic prophetic gifts are still in effect until that happens, and that's never happened historically yet. You've never seen that in the body of Christ yet. I, I believe I'm, we're going to see it because I believe Jesus' prayer is going to be answered. Amen? Amen. So thank you, Lord. By the way, we'd love to pray for little Maggie today. Let's be believing for a breakthrough for her. Uh, Doug and Diane have been going through this thing long enough with this little girl. She needs to have that condition broken off of her and be released into complete health. Amen? What's that? Paula's home now. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Let's continue to pray for her. Amen. Amen. So John 20, verse 1 says, Now the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb out most of you probably remember who Mary Magdalene was. Uh, it doesn't say clearly 100%, but there seems to be an implication that she used to be a prostitute. Jesus cast seven devils out of her, set her free, broke those chains, opened the prison door, and out she came, and she became his most devoted disciple. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved. John's talking about himself here. <laughs> Jesus loves me. I'm not sure about you, but I know he loves me. And said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they've laid him. And Peter therefore went out and the other disciple and were going to the tomb. So they both ran together and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. John couldn't help bragging on his speed a little bit. 
He got there ahead of Peter. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen cloths lying there, yet he did not go in. And then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb, and he saw the linen cloths lying there. And the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together in a place by itself. So here we have Mary Magdalene. She goes to the tomb. Jesus' body isn't there. She's not sure what it means. But she runs and tells the other disciples. <coughs> they show up. And they notice that the handkerchief that had been wrapped around Jesus' head was neatly folded and set apart from the other cloths. And I believe this signified that the head will be going to a different location from the body for a while. And his work is completed. He's finished. That handkerchief was neatly folded together and set aside. Jesus' work is finished. He's going to the Father. He's going to sit down at the right hand of the Father and wait. What's he waiting on? He's waiting on us to figure out who we are and to figure out that he's given us everything that we need to finish the work. Amen. Jesus has given you everything that you need to finish the assignment that he's given to the body of Christ. He's given to the body of Christ everything that we need to come into completeness, to come into unity, to come into wholeness, and to become the mighty army that he saw when he saw, when, when in the natural all he saw was scattered field of dead, dry bones. But he saw an army, and he gave his life for that army to be raised up. And you're members of that army, every one of you. The claws that wrapped the body were not neatly folded, but they were strewn, signifying that the body would be scattered everywhere and its work would be ongoing. It's, it's, it's fascinating how uh, we have this tendency to want to come together and to hang together because it's so powerful and it's so amazing and it's so good. The presence of God is so strong in our midst and we just want to hang together like family. And they did that in Jerusalem after the day of Pentecost, too. Remember what happened? The Lord sent persecution to scatter them to the nations. That's what he took in order for what he had paid for to be taken to the nations of the world. And sometimes the Lord has to allow adverse situations to come into our life to get us to let go of something that we're hanging on to and to move us into the next phase of life that he's called us to. Amen? And... Our vision here is not just to try to gather everybody together that we can get together, but it's to raise up sons and daughters that can be sent to the nations. And your nation may be your tribe right down the road. It may be your workplace. It may be, it may be a city nearby. It may be uh, somewhere in, in the U.S. It may be a foreign nation. Whatever God puts on your heart and begins to give you a vision and a burden for, and, and, and some people... You know, I've heard hold back because they don't want to be sent somewhere they don't want to go. You know, like I would, I would not want to be sent to Siberia. You know, I don't like cold places. 
So where's the Lord send me? He send me, sends me down to the Amazon. I love hot places. Now, if he would have called me to Siberia, guess what? He would have given me a grace and a love for that white stuff that I really don't have. Because God will ignite your passions in the area where he's called you. You don't have to worry about having to go somewhere you don't want to go. God will give you a desire that is so passionate, so powerful, and so alive that you would go if you had to crawl to get there. Are you hearing me? Because he works with the natural part of you and he adds the supernatural to you and enables you to go. But they knew Jesus well enough that they recognized there was a message in how he left the tomb arranged. They'd been with him three and a half years. They knew everything was a parable because that's how Jesus taught. And even the way that he left that tomb, there was a story that he wanted them to get. My work is finished. Your work is now beginning. You feel that? The Holy Spirit just jumped on that. I felt it. Your work is now beginning. You know, 2020 came around. A lot of things shut down. The pandemic. You know? All of that. And, and, and a lot of... World missions slowed down almost to a crawl. But I'm really feeling like there's a resurrection coming to the body this resurrection season. And, and an explosion. That's what I'm feeling. I'm feeling, I, I keep seeing an explosion come out of the empty tomb. And, and resurrection life coming to the body of Christ. And I just want to encourage every one of you. If, you, if God's been putting a burden on your heart for a people group, if God's been putting a burden on your heart for, for a, a specific sphere of influence or whatever, start making yourself available and see what he does. Because we're in a, in a season of explosion right now. I just, I just see an explosion happen. I'm not sure what it's going to look like, but that's what I see. God's bringing an explosion to your family. you believe that? I know he's bringing an explosion to mine. And I could tell you a bunch of stories of what's going on in my family, but I'm not going to uh, take the time to do that this morning. But I will say this. Um, half of the kids in my family are not Amish anymore. And, uh, and so it was easy for me to believe that God would move in us, in the four of us that are not Amish anymore, but it's a little harder to believe that I'd, we'd see a move of God in the other four who are still Amish. You know, my oldest sister is married to an Amish bishop. I have two, two, two brothers that are Amish that are preachers and one who's not. And so it was a little easier for me to believe for us than for them because they're, they've been pretty staunch. But you know what? I'm seeing some movement. You can't build a wall high enough to keep Jesus out. His branches run over the wall. <laughs> you know, there, there's water that seeps in through any opening, the water of life. 
And, and it's, it's, I'm tell you what, it's going to happen to your families. You know, the places you thought were unreachable and you gave up on and that's too hard. They're, it's going to come to your family, I'm telling you. You need to believe it. You need to receive it. You need to believe God that those stony hearts are going to turn to hearts of flesh because he's working on them now. Resurrection life is coming to your family, I'm telling you. The unreachable ones are, are, are going to be reached. I, I have such a conviction in my heart about that. Don't you give up. Don't you give up. Don't you dare give up. Jesus hasn't given up. Don't you give up either. God's going to reach them. And, this is, and he, needs your, he needs not only your hope, he needs your faith. He needs you to believe that he's big enough to reach your loved ones that you gave up on. Don't you give up on them. Verse 8 says, Then the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not know the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. And then the disciples went away again to their own homes. So Peter and John, I guess, decided there was nothing to see further. So they went home. Nothing to see here. Empty tomb. But Mary, Mary stood outside weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in a white setting, one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. And then they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, because they've taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they've laid him. There's a biblical principle of two witnesses. And here were two of heaven's messengers, witness to the resurrection drawn to reveal themselves to this woman who loved him so deeply. Now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. You need to get ready for Jesus to appear to you in a way that he hasn't appeared before. He's not... He's not the, 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 the man with a robe and sandals who walked the streets of Galilee. That's not who he is anymore. He's coming in a new way. He's coming in power and glory. He's coming in manifested life. Re read Revelation 1 if you want to see Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And she, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. There's something about when he speaks your name. When he speaks your name, you'll know him. Because there isn't anyone else who can speak your name the way he does. And she turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say teacher. 
Now, with Jesus, everything means something. He doesn't do anything coincidentally or randomly. So he first appears to his beloved Mary, which is a picture of his beloved bride who now see him when others don't. Don't listen to doubters and unbelievers and naysayers and what they say, oh, that's not real. Listen, the bride of Jesus knows his voice. They know when he speaks her name. They know when he manifests himself to them. Don't cast your pearls before swine. I'm not calling people pigs when I say that, but there's a principle of religious spirits binding people from the truth and keeping them in unbelief. And if you cast your precious pearls before them, they'll just mess them up and get you doubting your own experience with Jesus. Okay? So don't do that. Be discerning about who you share these precious things with when he appears to you, when he reveals himself to you, when you have those encounters with him. And then Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. So he's saying, I'm ascending to heaven, but before I go, I want you to understand what I've accomplished. My father is now your father, your family. You're my brothers and sisters. I've accomplished, I've broken down those walls that separated you from the Father, and I've done more than that. I have brought you into my own family through the blood that I shed. There's a spirit of adoption that's coming on you, and he's going to teach you how to live as sons and daughters of the Most High and how we relate to each other in love because we're family now because that's what Jesus did for us. He did more than just rescue you from the flames of hell. He saved you and redeemed you and brought you into covenant with, the, with Father God himself and with all your brothers and sisters in the body of Christ so that we can have a true, genuine expression of family that we can live in. My God is now your God, he says. You can live the same supernatural life you've seen me live and have the same intimate relationship with the God of the universe that I have. That's what he accomplished for us. He broke down every barrier, every, everything of separation that we've ever felt. The only one who can keep us from him now is us. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she'd seen the Lord and that he'd spoken these things to her. And then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut or the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. So you're in, you're in this, this house all the doors are locked because you're freaked out. And all of a sudden, Jesus walks through the wall and shows up, shows up in the middle. I love how Jesus works. 
The doors are shut, but Jesus came in anyway because he is the door. Maybe there's some places you thought were not accessible to you. Let me tell you something. If you're serving Jesus, he's the door of access. He'll give you access to places you didn't know you could access. He'll get you into situations you didn't know you could get into. You just need to believe that he wants to do impossible things for you. I'm going to give you an example of something I'm believing for. You know, uh, some of us are kind of... My wife would say stubborn, hard-nosed sometimes. Um, I, I can be a little set in my ways. I'll admit it. Shut up, Steve. <laughs> and uh, so I'm not about to take one of those, uh, those shots. I'm, I'm, that's just me. That's not... Nothing against anyone who feels that the Lord gave them a green light to do it, but I'm not. Unless the Lord tells me that I'm supposed to. If, if he does, I will. If that's what it takes to, for me to be able to go where he sends me. But until he does, I'm not. But I can't fly into Columbia without a vaccine card. Well, Columbia is one of the places I'm supposed to go. I was supposed to help do a conference down in Leticia, Columbia in November. And we can't freely travel the way we'd like to travel in Peru without a vaccine card. We can fly in with a negative test. We can go down the river in an uncomfortable boat with a negative test, but we can't get on the ferry and travel comfortably without a vaccine card. So I'm saying, Lord, you said that you open doors for us that no man can close and you close doors that no man can open. I believe you. I believe that when it's time for me to be in Leticia, you're going to have a way for me to get there without me having to fly to, to uh, Iquitos and ride 12 hours down river to get there in a very uncomfortable boat. And... And we're supposed to go to, to Kabayakocha for another week of training with them before then, and that's 10 hours down the river in a very uncomfortable boat. So I'm, I, I'm just declaring, Lord, you said no, uh, no door that's closed before us can stay closed because you've given us a, an open door and no man, that includes any government, can close it. Amen? So let's wait and see what happens. But I'm, you know, and maybe, maybe one of these times when we take a stand and we declare that we're going no matter what, we're going to start experiencing the things that Philip did and be transported in the spirit. I'd love that. That'd be awesome. Amen. That'd save us some money, too. We'll have to figure out how to get our suitcase. I don't know if we can take a suitcase along if we get transported or not. We'll, we'll find out. God, all things are possible. According to your faith, be it unto you, right? Amen. Maybe we'll have enough faith to drive across the Gulf of Mexico and drive there. I don't know. We'll see. Jesus walked on the water. Why can't we drive on the water, right? 
I'm not, I'm not telling you to go drive into the water, but unless the Lord tells you to, and it better be the Lord before you do it. So Jesus releases peace to release them from their anxiety. How many of you could use a breakthrough from anxiety? I'm telling you what, Jesus wants to release peace into the midst of your anxiety and set you free. He's the Prince of Peace. We have seen him bring peace to so many people. I still have people calling me who reached out to doctors and medicine and everything else they could think of. And the only peace that they can find is when God's servants pray for them and release peace over them. When he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. So Jesus saying, my part's done. Now it's your turn. It's your turn. Scripture says he went to the right hand of the Father and he sat down. And And he's waiting. His job's done. He's waiting for us. How many of you would love to be part of his answer? It's our time. This is our day. You're called to change your world. Some people don't like when we use the term world changer because they think it's putting unreasonable expectations on our kids. I think it's selling them short if we don't have them believing that they have what it takes to change their world. It doesn't mean that you're going to be the savior of the world. There's only one of those. What it means is the part of the world that God's given you a passion for, he's going to empower you to change it. He's going to empower you to bring positive change to that. Amen? No one can stop you. When he gives you an open door, no one can close it. It might be the education system. You have the, the if, you're, if you're called to work in the education system, you have the privilege of carrying the presence of the glory of God into that education system and releasing his presence. And hungry, seeking hearts are drawn to his presence wherever it is. No one can stop you. doesn't mean you have to get behind the desk and preach. It means there's an open door wherever you are a portal. Because Jesus is the door and he lives in you, you're a doorway. You're a portal into heaven itself. And, and you have the door of access to give people, to bring people into the presence of God wherever you go. Start believing that what he did in you is significant and see what he does with that. Divine appointments will begin to become a way of life for you. Not just a once in a while thing. I'm, I mean, you got to start where you are, but I'm telling you, every one of us that have a relationship with Jesus are a portal to heaven. We are a stairway to heaven. Angels ascend and descend through the portals that we are. I used to think, well, <clears throat> when Jacob left home, you know, he put his head on a rock. He laid down in a portal. And the Lord corrected me. No, he was the portal. We are the portal. We are the place I'm not saying there's not significant places where there are portals. What I'm saying is every spirit-filled uh, believer is a portal to heaven. And everyone, lift up your head, O ye gates. You're the gates of access into the, to the king of glory. And you carry that gateway with you wherever you go. 
Um, Psalm 139 says, speaking of the Lord, that darkness and light are the same to you. Right? Because Jesus is light. And so wherever he goes, darkness flees because the light has come. Well, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. So the same thing is true of you. There can be no darkness around you when you know what you are carrying. Because everything lights up because you're there. There is no darkness where you go. Amen? Everywhere Jesus went, darkness fled and demonic powers were exposed and demons would cry out. That's going to start happening to us. I'm just declaring that over you. That's going to start happening to us because God's going to start making us aware of what's already in us. He's going to open our eyes to the fact that we are the light of the world. And where we go, darkness is exposed. It cannot dwell in the presence of the light of God in you. Getting excited. Jesus says, I'm sending you the same way the Father sent me. Carry on my assignment. Verse 22 says, And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. And the implication is he breathed life into them the same way God did in the garden with Adam. He breathed life into him, into them, and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. In other words, there was a new spirit that came into them. I believe they were born again at this moment. They weren't spirit baptized yet, but they were born again. The Spirit of God brought new life to them. And then he said this, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. And if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. I've restored you back to the place where you can now choose your own destiny again. Gave you the same freedom to choose that God created in Adam in the beginning. Now when you choose to forgive, Offense is removed, darkness is dispelled, and you're set free. Not only that, you get to announce his forgiveness everywhere that you go. God has canceled your sin debt on the cross. You don't have to walk in darkness anymore because your sins are forgiven through Jesus. All you need to do is accept it, receive it. And if he choose not to forgive, then the offense will remain with you. We can, choose to free, we can choose to walk in freedom or not. It's up to us. Why is there so many, people, so many Christians walking in bitterness and unforgiveness? Because they haven't exercised their choice to forgive. If you've been born again, you have a heart of flesh. You have the ability to forgive, but you have a choice. If you, if you stay bound, it's your choice to stay bound. If you stay in bitterness and unforgiveness, that's your choice. Because with a, with a born-again heart, you have the freedom to forgive. You have the power to forgive. God restored you back to where you are really free to choose your own destiny. Amen? Let's stand. I wasn't going to do this, but I feel like I'm supposed to. If you're here today, 
and you know there's somebody or some people that you need to forgive because you're still carrying offense and hurt or bitterness. I want you to come to the altar and make a choice to set them free. And in the process, you're setting yourself free. Somebody's life's going to change here today. Jesus. Jesus. like somebody here needs to forgive themselves. anybody here today and you're angry at God it's okay he can take it let's get honest if that's you feel free to come let's forgive him So I want you to imagine that the person or persons that you need to forgive is in your hand. Hold out your hand just like this. Jesus, you know how this offense, how it's affected my heart what it's done to how I think about myself, the distance that I felt between me and you, the distance that I felt with people, especially those I've carried resentment against. And today I'm making a choice. I choose to forgive. I want you to just Give that person that's in your hand to Jesus. Turn your hand over and let him go. Jesus, I'm choosing to remit that sin. 
that offense, that hurt, whatever it was. If there are situations, Lord, that you didn't save me from, that I really needed you to save me from, I forgive you, Lord, for not being there for me the way that I thought you would be. Now, wherever I've believed a lie, I'm asking you to show me the truth. I renounce the lie that I believed. And I'm asking you to heal my heart set me free that you would fill my heart with so much love and forgiveness that I would become an instrument of your love everywhere that I go and if there's any person that I'm supposed to go to and release forgiveness to I ask that you would show me right now I'm wanting to get the air clear between me and you Jesus and I want your presence in my life and the intimacy restored to me that I I need in order to fulfill my purpose and my destiny in life some of our leaders just lay a hand on some of these restoration thank you for healing of relationships thank you for healing from disappointment today to be a day of resurrection and everything that's been brought to you Jesus 
people come into resurrection life and power. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We declare a new day. Jubilee. Debt's canceled. Thank you, Lord, that as we forgive, we're canceling debts. We're actually a manifestation of Jubilee to all those who've been hurt and offended and to ourselves. Thank you, Jesus.